How do we make and multiply disciples around the block and around the world? With host Doug Lucas of Team Expansion, Lee Wood of One Body Church, John Hirima of Big Life, Roger Shull of E3 Partners, and special guests from around the world, we'll explore how believers can come together to make more disciples. Welcome to the More Disciples Podcast. All right, we're here again with the 2414 region. So I am I am Roger Scholl, and we still have Doug Lucas uh, joining us from our respective homes or offices. But still, Lee Wood and Zach Duke are joining us from the Red Barn at Duke Farms with 2414 region. So they're having a weekend retreat with all the uh, the region coordinators. And last podcast, part one of this two-part podcast, we talked about the south region, the south, excuse me, the southwest region, the southeast region, and the south central region. So now we're going to move up north, do the north regions. Um, so I believe we have northeast up first. Uh, for this panel, but why don't you introduce them, Zach, for us? Yep, that's right. Yeah, we're just out here having fun, but we got the uh, the Northeast region with us, and we've got Michael Sove. So that is Stove Without the T. That's yes. that's how I'm remembering it. It's Michael Sove, Stove Without the T. We've got Jack Worthington. we got Austin Wilson and Mary Roberts joining us. So thank you guys for being here. When I think about the Northeast region, so that's, that's going to be like D.C. and Maryland all the way up through Maine, I believe. Um, I think about my research mind comes into play and it, I think about like places like Boston, Providence, New York City, you know, all, just all the large cities that we have. And those are some of the least church cities in America, like going on. I think Boston I looked at was like 95, 97 percent non-evangelical. And that's just a common theme across the entire region. So like I said, last podcast, we, we talked about very churched areas, which has its strengths and and uh, maybe hardships in, in terms of trying to pursue disciple-making movements. But what would you say is unique about the Northeast region as you guys try to pursue disciple-making movements? Great question. If you look at the, the top 10 post-Christian nations in the United States, the top eight are in the Northeast. And that's according to Barna Research. And then Pew Research talks in, uh, talk a lot about that as well. And, and basically the, the statistic right now is about, it's about 3% evangelical in the Northeast. So we're almost a, like unreached people group <laughs> percentages wow. there. Um, and, and, you know, we know as we go around and share the gospel in the Northeast, I mean, nobody knows hardly even who Jesus is. I mean, they, you know, especially the young people, like they know they've heard of Jesus, um, but they have no idea what he's like and, and you know, what he did, mm. who he really is. Yeah, short story to go along with that is one of my roommates grew up in the church. Um, so I encouraged him to go in the harvest with me. And he was speechless after we talked to many people and none of them had heard the gospel before. They heard the name of Jesus, but they never knew the simple gospel. The son of God laid down his life for us that we could have life um, forever in his kingdom. And yeah, it was, it was really cool to see that, but also heartbreaking and, um, just something to encourage us all the more as we're doing work up there. This really gives me an idea that I've never thought of before. What if just like most of the movements are happening in places like Africa and Asia, outside of North America, Europe, New Zealand, and Australia, maybe because the people there haven't been sort of inoculated against this idea of, uh, obedience-oriented Christianity. Michael, as you look at the Northeast, could the Northeast become the place 
where uh, multiplicative groups begin actually coming to reality in the United States because it's more like Africa and Asia in that the people are less informed. And how do you think prayer might be able to set the table for that? Yeah, well, we all know that there's no movement without prayer. And so when you th- when I focus on that, it's like we have to mobilize extraordinary prayer. We have to do it at every level, from in the house to the region to the state. Amen. And um, so one thing I'm all about is trying to mobilize prayer. And um, we're starting at the state region. And uh, last year when we gathered here, we had four states represented with four people that said, I'll be point to um, mobilize prayer in my state. So we've been praying and we've been uh, talking to a lot of people. And as of this week, we now have 21 state reps who are mobilizing prayer at different levels. And we have one province of Canada. So we still have some more to go. But I believe if we could mobilize prayer, we're going to break through all the barriers. So uh, if any of you are interested in prayer and mobilizing prayer, I really want to get it down to the county level, okay? I think it's 3,007 counties. It'd be awesome to have hubs and teams praying in all the counties. But prayer is the bottom line. Prayer is the breath. It's everything. And so we have to mobilize prayer. Thank you, Michael. So one thing that I've been talking about is... And I actually got from a guy that we've hosted on the the podcast, uh, the Lynch Brothers, but Chris Lynch. We have to have both a growing and a going strategy. So in other words, we have to have both a vertical and a horizontal strategy in obedience to Jesus. So we've strategically positioned uh, Mary Roberts on the Northeast panel (laughs) because she happens to be living um, for an interim period of time with Stacy and I in our home, but she just visited the Northeast region and what they're doing there. And then from there, she went to California and I don't know where she's going to be after that, but she's strategically um, apostolically as a incredible female leader that gets both trauma healing, she understands both the growing, the going, the vertical, and the horizontal. And there's a question inside of there somewhere, Mary, you're learning to speak, Lee, okay, is can you talk um, a little bit about the critical importance of trauma healing as a means of mobilizing in fields one, two, three, and four in leadership as a part of movement strat- obedience, but as how that that will help us to see both vertical, horizontal, growing and going, emerging and multiplying movements. Um, figure out what the question was, then respond. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, there are times I'm actually in your all's home with y'all at the same time. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Just not recently. It's not frequently, though. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, so Diane Langberg put it that trauma healing is the mission field of the 21st century. And just last night, at a finishing the task gathering with Rick Warren, he said, we need to look for and go to the people who are in pain, because that is where God is working and softening people's hearts to come to him. 
And so trauma healing being not something that is a distraction or a speed bump, but something that actually God is using to see people come to know him in deeper ways than they, many of them ever had before. And so to see it multiply though. And so trauma healing that is in our three thirds pattern of discipleship, there's three aspects that are needed for a healing environment, kind of like a three legged stool. If you're missing one of them, you can't sit on the chair. And so those three areas are community, unconditionally loving community, faith, faith in a higher power by statistics, people heal faster. Ultimately, we know that that is God. And then purpose, redemptive purpose of the pain. And what's super cool is that in our multiplicative discipleship pattern, three thirds, look back, look up, look forward. It overlays those three aspects uh, just in the way it's designed. Looking back, uh, really get into digging into community, caring for one another, unconditionally loving them, and then getting to look up, building faith together in God, and then looking forward and setting goals and sharing with others is really bringing redemptive purpose to the pain that is being processed and walked in that journey. And so to see trauma healing multiply, to deepen both disciples and churches, uh, but to also see it even as an entry strategy. We look around today, you know, crisis, disaster is happening all around us whether it's in an individual's lives or at a communal level. And so to see how trauma healing out of those moments, you know, what if that receptivity out of crisis was paired with reproducibility and seeing trauma healing as a bridge of people's lives from brokenness to really encountering God and being transformed by him so that they can go not only experience it themselves, but right built in the process, they're able to go and share it with others. And so seeing that multiply uh, truly across the nations already and, and really just, it's just getting started. That is so Amen. cool, boy. That is just worth so, the whole podcast. That is such a cool thing, Mary. Well, uh, stay tuned because Mary is going to be on a guest on our podcast yes. soon. So yes. we'll get a whole podcast on Let's that. Let's go. One other thing before that is, is like, that's actually one of what we're doing with one another um, in all of these regions. So in obedience, in conjunction with the piece that prayer plays as a multiplicative obedience to seeing redemption and healing across our nation across our nation our region and sharing that from movement to movement as well yeah so so final two-pronged question for the northeast group first one to austin then to jack so austin something that you have taught me so much even this year is just abiding in jesus and how abiding in jesus plays into obeying jesus fully joyfully from the heart and then over to jack who uh, is is really you know, someone that you poured into, Austin, that you've laid down your life in sacrificial love unto Jack. And Jack, someone who what, had a perfect score in the SAT, right? Smartest guy I know. And, wow, let's just bow right, to just, that. <laughs> right? I mean, but, but, but seriously, this is what's amazing to me. When I think about Jack, I don't think about his intelligence. I think about how he lays down his life for Jesus and doesn't rely on his intelligence, but relies fully dependent on the spirit. So, so Amen. Jack, after Austin shares, can you just share what is God doing through you in, in New York, as well as how that has jumped to the nations? You know, as we, as we look to Jesus, right, he's, he's our king, he's who we follow. And we see his example of oneness with the Father. We see him, Amen. you know, I, I most assuredly I say to you, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. Um, if that's what Jesus is doing, um, what should we be doing, right? And how do we, how do we get there? How do we, how do we grow into that uh, as, a, as, as God's kids? And, you know, Jesus does give this command to abide in him. 
But he says it this way, you know, abide in me and I in you. He's really just, you know, abide means to stay, to remain, to live, to dwell. It means just stay in the oneness. Stay me and you and you and me, my Holy Spirit in you. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still learning how to, how to do that, how to stay there with him and, and follow his lead as Lord of the harvest, you know, and not, not trying to do for him, um, not trying to help the Lord of the harvest, but actually let the Lord of the harvest live through us, be extensions of him as his body. Um, so learning how to do that. Um, but yeah, praise God. It's, it's been amazing. And, and I'll let Jack share. Yeah. So let me get before Jack does share. Like one thing is I keep going back to this theme and maybe somebody, some people will get that it's on purpose. So Austin and Lindsay Wilson with their seven children from their home for over, well, they weren't all there then, but for over a decade, that same thing that he said, hearing, seeing, obeying as image bearers into their children. That sounds a lot like how it was with Zach and Megan, with Jim and Rolinda, and that he gives the increase with Guy, I'm looking at it around the world, getting Holy Ghost goosebumps, you know, with Guy and Kelly and all the spheres of influence that we have with a Stacy and a Lee, with an Amanda from house to house, city to city, nation to nation, that the whole world might know. But yeah, we need strong families. We need strong um, you know, at the at the micro level, a husband and wife is the, the foundation of the church. And, and as you are one in Christ there, that spreads to your kids and to everybody around you. And that's what it's supposed to look like. And not less than like that dynamic of um, actually for people that the Jacks, OK, single, OK, the Amandas. But that emergence of us all functioning in that same oneness yeah. um, with Jesus and with the Father, that unity, that essence is how the world will know. And um, I just say thank you because you guys lived and were actually named our home church, Austin. Um, not because of my character, but Coconut Church was named because of Austin. And just the, the model that you and your family, how you guys were a blessing to our family, to the church in our home, and the way that that bounces back and forth. Um, it's a beautiful picture, man, and, and love you. Yeah, I love you too, man. We've been yeah. so blessed by everyone here, and especially Lee this last year. Thank you, yeah. Um, so I just want to reinforce what Mary said about the trauma healing. Um, three years and eight months ago, I was in a uh, really low point of my life. I kind of thought my life was uh, over, you could say, um, in the societal terms. But that was, you know, God's time is perfect, neither early nor late. Uh, and that's when I just ran to Austin and two of my classmates, and they shared the gospel with me. So I was lost and broken. Um, now I'm found and whole in Christ. And um, really, my life's been so changed um, by that. And I love just this verse that's been resting in my mind. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. Amen. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so with that, it's 10.02, uh, praying for laborers to go into the harvest. Amen. That's uh, a great that's way to do that, bro. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Amen, Michael. 
Lord God, uh, 10.02 every day for many of our phones, Amen. that alarm goes off. And that reminder that you instructed us to pray for harvesters, for workers to go into the harvest field. So, Lord, right now, I ask you across our continent and across the Amen. world, I pray that you would raise up laborers who lay down everything to go into the harvest, working by your side as you draw men, women, and children to yourself. So I ask you to do it like only you can, and I ask it in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. And so my life's uh, been changed at verse from what I understand. It says the love of Christ controls us because we understand the gospel, or we know the gospel and the love that God has for us. Um, so as I've been changed from where I was in the domain of darkness down to the kingdom of God, um, my, my whole life is, is for Christ as he laid it down for me. And so just every day wanting to, to grow closer to him, there's so much to grow in. Um, but the cool thing is, is, uh, man, God will just use anyone who's willing. And he's uh, been really using me to reach the rest of my classmates too because I was once lost and broken. And who knows if there's someone who is waiting for me to share with them who is in a spot like I was, who can be just someone who live uh, a full life in Christ, and then turn back into the domain of darkness and plunder where the strong man's now been bind. Um, so, as Zach mentioned before, um, God wants to use us. He wants to reach the nation. So the Lord sent me to um, Africa to during time periods where I had off from college, and uh, God started a movement there, which has been a blessing to be a part of, and so humbling uh, to be able to encourage and lead. Um, but actually, tomorrow, there's a team going to South Sudan in one of the most trauma-filled uh, countries there in hopes to reach that, that area. Um, but, yeah, it's been, been a blessing to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Seeing everyone here is really humbling to be part of uh, this group of all these strong Amen. leaders in Christ. Amen. Well, Northeast Amen. region, thank you guys so much, and we just love you all. Thank you for your example. Way to go. All right, so the next um, group we have is the um, North Central Region of 2414, and Neil Karsten from Michigan leads that, and then also Beth and Nathan Vinton, and my buddy um, Tyler Ingalls. So they're representing the um, North Central Region. Okay, so one thing about even having this 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 conversation with all the twenty four fourteen coordinators is so everyone across the nation who listens to this knows that they can get in touch with, you know, us get in touch with twenty four fourteen and have people near them who can collaborate, connect, communicate, all those things. I don't generally think about any particular region as the North Central region of the United States. So I would love to hear from you guys what what states what is does that encompass? What is it? First off. And what is God doing in those states? Uh, it's basically the Great Lakes region, but because uh, so many of our key people lived in Michigan and uh, Indiana, we kind of divided it to North Central and South Central. So uh, the North Central is from Michigan over to North Dakota and then down to Kansas, at about 10 states in that area. Uh, so that's what the North Central is, basically the, the Midwest. So it's like a backward seven or like a candy cane. <laughs> through the middle sure. of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever helps you think. <laughs> All right. So that's the region. Now, what is God doing in that region that's been exciting for you guys lately? It's been awesome to see a connection take place between people from just different organizations, different streams, um, getting to see 
hearts united, but not just even on a strategic level, but on like a level that hits deeper than that. So getting to find and and getting to to co-labor, getting to pray with some of those laborers in different cities and it not just being this aspect of, hey, we're out there just doing the same stuff, we should get together. But then as you're laboring, there's something so much more rich and more deep. And I'm not saying we're living into that perfectly yet. We have a we have a long way to go with that. But I, I believe we're getting to see that. So there are the those connections that are beginning to form. From there comes it, it's almost hard to express because when those relationships form, now it's not the strategy that drives you. It's the love that drives you. And so then when things come against you, it's not going to divide you nearly as easily. And so like getting the opportunity in just a little bit to see some trainings in North Dakota, see a training um, in Iowa recently, having connections with brothers and sisters in Kansas City, growing relationships with people near Chicago, a lot of work taking place throughout Michigan of seeing a, a richness that gets beyond the tactics. And like I said, I'm not saying we're, we're there. I'm not saying we've arrived perfectly, but I think we're getting a taste of it. Yeah, just a specific story to help you out. Uh, a guy named Marvin and his wife, Kern, uh, heard uh, the More Disciples podcast, and they connected to a guy that I work with in Traverse City, Michigan, called Nick. He was on your podcast and so we, Nick invited them up to his home. We also connected with a few other people and had a training in Traverse City. And then they went back to their home near Lansing, Michigan, and started a simple house church, uh, started <laughs> discipling people because they heard about us on the podcast. Well, then not only that, but then we said, hey, part of us helping you to become a disciple maker is we're going to now go to your home and you gather people and we'll do a training with you in Lansing. So through that training, it just happened a couple weeks ago, they, along with some other uh, networks of disciple makers, all came together in the Lansing area. And so we're starting to see multiple hubs throughout Michigan, uh, Grand Rapids, northern Michigan, where we live, Lansing, where people from different organizations, ministries are now laboring together to see disciples made throughout the entire state of Michigan. That's just phenomenal to think about in the old days, you had to have this giant building with a staff and a budget and a lot of programs. And in this kind of like COVID age, when people are afraid to get in great big gatherings, what is so cool is that you guys are recovering this very simple church idea that you can start this with a very, very lean budget and a lean set of buildings, which I assume in your part of the world, I bet in your part of the country, there are a lot of churches that are having trouble recovering from the COVID uh, isolation. And this uh, this idea that you have, that this idea of 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 coming together in, in these small groups is actually a great relevant plan, isn't it? For, for, uh, for gathering out of the, the post COVID age, isn't it? Can somebody talk about how these small groups can flourish when the large groups are still not popular? We're on the precipice of, of something, not just in Michigan, but all throughout the, um, North America where we're having to relearn and reform. What does it truly mean to be the church? And um, for us, it's partly a reprogramming of how we think, of things that we've been taught and have learned for all of our lives, for many of us. Uh, for the harvest, the, the ways of living into that just aren't as, aren't as different. They just didn't have maybe backgrounds in those things. But for those who are getting involved, who 
have grown up in more of like what we would call the legacy church context, um, there's a reprogramming that's going on, and it's a very hard thing, but it's a very beautiful thing for us to be reapproaching the Word and saying, truly, let's live into the depths of what the Word says. Let's let's strip away some of the extras, some of the complexities, some of those things that have uh, maybe brought about fruit for time, but now it seems like there's a there's a freshness, there's a, a new wineskin that's coming that's that's there to really hold the wine of what the Lord is looking to do throughout the context of North America. And so I whenever I say this stuff, I never want to make it sound like we have it all figured out or it's all perfect or such like that. That's just this I, I tell people I was a pastor for uh, ten years before doing what we get to do now. And I tell people, this what we're doing right now is a lot harder because you can't go and just organize messiness. Yeah. You have to deal with it relationally. And so in that, it's so beautiful. It's so nuanced. It's so rich. But it's hard and it's messy at times. It's true. And we could, I mean, everybody in this room who's sitting here, all of us right here, could speak to that from different angles. So that's not just me. I think that everybody would resonate with that. Yeah, so I'm going to, um, I as I look at you guys um, and what you just said, Neil, is like, all those things that we've learned over seven or eight years that it's relational, not organizational. So in 2014, uh, Beth and Nathan were in mine and Stacy's home in Tampa, but we're further along than we were then, man, by the grace of God. Like it was really bad then. If you think it's bad now, well, you should have seen it then. So, so, but last night we adjourned for the evening. I shared one thing. Um, with my wife, and it was that when Beth and Nathan arrived, I was so happy to see them because it's been a while, and I've literally traveled around the world with Nathan Vinton, and he's all parts of giftings that I'm not, and he loves me, okay? So people that know me and Nathan, that is funny. You can laugh. So, <laughs> um, but the the but what was wonderful was I know they're kids and I gave like a genuine heartfelt hug of love to Beth because there was joy mm -hmm. in my heart and then like the highlight of my day was um, um, at the end of our gathering last night Beth said your family not just this other like family like something that we're working on with one another that we love one another and that's what I shared with my wife after everything was over with. So those things, it's not when you drop your agenda, actually, when you're not trying to get to there, like we're not trying to execute so much, even though there is like a target on the wall, okay, like the whole world might know. But when you're living into that mess in love and you're not trying to produce but to bear fruit, that's the deal. And that's really hard in a Western context because we are production-based. We are organized-based, man. But the more that we can live into this and have the essence of it and see it emerge from disciple to disciple, household to household, region to region, city to city, all that stuff, that's what God is doing. He's building his church. And so then I look at... Um, 
Beth, Tyra, if you can speak to that. Ty, you've been to like, like I met you and you've been to Tampa and then you've like connected with stuff and bounced back to there. Like that stuff is spreading because of relationships, because of love, because of Jesus. And I don't like, I'm random and I don't do a good job of explaining it. Like Neil is way better at that. I just thought about that. Like you're way better at that. (laughs) But like what I'm saying is you guys got to speak to that. And I think that's how Nathan and I work with one another. Like we're better together at every level. Yeah, yeah. Let me just so Tyler, Tyler here is just a faithful laborer. Like he and I got to start running together a little bit back. He By already, far the best looking guy from the Michigan crew. Without it. That is undisputed. You know, that is, is definitely true. That is true. Yeah. Um, but sincerely, like a brother who um, has known the Lord, who like as I as I speak of him right now, I could start even just tearing up because of yep. his his faithfulness. Just in the midst of in 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 here's one of the awesome things um, that not the only thing, but one of the things I've appreciated about him so much is within the context of the work we try to live into a lot of that Ephesians apest apostle prophet evangelist shepherd teacher Tyler the Lord's really anointed him with a prophetic gifting, and I think in the context of what we do we're still trying to learn the place of some of these things. you know what I mean so some of them feel a little a little confusing in the but um He's gotten to step in and utilize a gifting that has come by the Lord to see people around really reached. And so um, Tyler's just been a, such a faithful brother, has endured much hardship in the midst of ministering, has been slandered through and through, and yet has been faithful. Um, and so I couldn't, I couldn't speak more highly of Tyler. Um, this is not that you have to, you can speak all on that, but another piece that Tyler's living into is um, the Lord's always given him a heart for, for youth and he's poured a lot. He's seen such beautiful things. I mean, groups starting, simple churches starting with middle schoolers, that middle schoolers are leading in public school areas. And Tyler's been on point with a lot of that. And so there's some things even that he's just living into now. I've been talking too much, but Tyler is awesome. Tyler's just speaking to some of what you're seeing. Yeah. Um, I think some of the things that like we're really, um, we see overseas and I've always been so moved by this, that, like overseas, so much of the movement that was coming out of like China was with like middle school girls. Um, and then what I see in America is a lot of like former pastors and yeah, former yeah. church leaders. And I'm like, there's just something like, maybe we're like, <laughs> it's not bad. It's great. Right. But what does it look to have actually have like a youth led movement? And I'm convinced that like right now, the, the youth are actually still leading our culture. And like you look at relationships and conversations that I see families having, and I see more 14-year-olds teaching their grandparents about how to think and how to act and how to respond to the, the current um, social and cultural climate. Then I see grandparents teaching their their fourteen year olds how to do that and how to be live a godly life. In the worldview, um, in America, is so rapidly shifting, and it's being led as always by young people, and that's by design and by God's created gift to teens um, and to young people that they lead out of zeal and passion. And so I think we're missing that at times in movement world in the States when we put so much energy um, into areas that don't empower and equip youth to to create language and to use language to create and design culture. 
And so that's kind of where my heart's been at is like, how do we equip and, um, and enable teens to actually lead with language, um, to lead with our culture, to lead with our ideas and designs and ministries uh, where they actually get to go into their own communities and change culture. Um, and that, that worldview piece is just so critical, right? Um, the common worldview now, it's, it's fast flipping. Maybe in this, maybe this is, I maybe got some some realms, but like we're long past the like idea of one God in our culture. Mm. Does that make sense? Like I'm not not in a Christian culture, but in the worldview of America, it's no longer a, a one God under one God society. And it's tricky because the word God is used to describe all of these other spiritual ideas and concepts and ideals, and they're still claiming that they worship Yahweh, the God of the Bible. That's not happening. And so to start equipping people in our culture and our generation to be prepared for these conversations when we look at some of those famous people in the world saying, yeah, I pray to God, but then you look at what God they're talking about and it's not the God of the Bible. They're talking about these other spiritual lesser beings, these created um, beings, but they're worshiping them and they're actually bringing that forth to the youth and the teens who then in turn are confused because we're not equipping them with a, a solid worldview of there is one creator. Yeah. And they're being, in, they're being trained to worship the creation instead of the creator. And so if we don't get ahead of that where we're in, um, whether it's in schools or families or homes, that's why I'm so passionate about um, even the idea of like discipleship within a home and house church is because that is where it starts. That is the foundation of teaching that we are the created and that he is the creator Amen. and that all glory goes to him forever and ever. And so if we're not teaching that within our homes, the world will teach them otherwise. Um, and so that's kind of the, that's kind of the passion, the heart that I have um, in the movement world and get to see a lot of that happening and, um, it's slower because you're fighting a culture and you're often fighting a culture that like even in the church world is still very acceptable, right? Like it's still very acceptable to just live according to the creation in the, in the United States apathetic lukewarm church. And so we're fighting a battle within the lukewarmness um, even versus like the outside. They would actually be more excited if we were devoted unto Jesus entirely. But within the church world, there's such an apathy because it's so comfortable um, to just do what feels good and what feels right to a man, and that we're worshiping the created again in those apathetic spaces instead of the preeminence of Christ Jesus. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of the up-and-coming battle that um, we're already way behind on, and yet is a space to like really change the frontier of, of missions, much like the trauma that um, Mary was sharing last week, oh. um, and even just the, the it was, no, is it this week today already? I don't know. Um, she was sharing, um, and just the the beauty that is like there's these frontiers that we have available to us to reach, and are we going to do and use those opportunities That's to share good, and advance man. the yeah. kingdom of God? Yeah, th thank you, Ty. I, I think this really is one of those moments of like, what is the Spirit speaking to the church Amen. in America? And I really think that what you just shared is, you know, one of those watershed moments, realizations, oh my goodness, we need to realize this, understand this, and start working towards this, and the trauma healing that Mary mentioned. So, uh, North Central Group, thank you so much for just sharing your hearts and your lives with us. We love y'all. All right, last but not least, the Northwest region, and I just learned we include Dory Ewan in San Francisco because in my mind, 
Um, San Francisco is in the northwest, but everyone else in the room disagreed that that should be in the southwest. I don't care. We're putting her in the northwest, okay? But I could also be wrong, too, as well, because Chris Quinn is on here in Denver, Colorado, okay? But this is one of the largest. It makes up the northwest region, which Guy basically is leading both the northwest and the southwest regions. But representing that region are Chris Wynn, okay, Denver, Colorado, Grace and Michael Lukeman, which I have a great story to share about at some juncture about Michael Lukeman, okay, from Portland, Oregon. The behemoth of a man, Aaron Palmquist, also from Portland, um, Oregon, as well as uh, I already mentioned um, from San Francisco, Dory Ewan. So welcome, Northwest Region. Yes, you know, and I, you know, when I think about Northwest region, I think about another very unchurched area. You know, I think with Northeast, we talked about that, but not a lot of people think about New England as being unchurched, but places like Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, Colorado, like that's generally when people think of unchurched America, like a lot of the places that they think of. And so I just kind of want to ask a similar question that, that I asked in Northeast. And that's what unique challenges do you guys feel like you face because of that? Like, for example, I know people who have taken mission trips to the Northwest and Northeast. And it's, it's like, you know, you go up to someone and say, hey, can I pray for you? And it's just no constantly. Like I live in the South and we get no's, but we also get a lot of yeses. But it's like just having an entry strategy of saying, hey, can I pray for you to, to someone uh, just seemed like less of a a good entry strategy in those areas. So I don't know if you guys have any unique challenges that you like to bring up that's like that or maybe different to reaching the Northwest, but maybe you guys can talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, we have a lot of people who don't know Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, if you want to pray for them, you have to explain what prayer is. Um, You know, like, you know, you can stare at my shoulder and I'll, I'll just talk and you just can talk to God like this. Oh, well, it's like a new concept to them, you know? Yeah, they are crazy Oregon. Stacy and I were just there, got to be with, uh, be with um, um, the Palmquist in their home. But I, I want to say before um, Aaron talks, like he's been doing this faithfully. He and his wife are their home for longer than Stacy and I have, have from Arden. They've been like a giant just going there and being with them and their faithfulness, theirs and the Lukemans was like a tremendous blessing and an encouragement for us so mad respect so once you respond to that you've been doing it for a long time faithfully there bro yeah uh yeah we have a there's a lot of people in the northwest who are are far from god um there's a lot of especially in portland seattle a lot of just blatant rebelliousness towards god in general um but we i i and our our team in portland we I, i don't feel like we've um, experienced a lot of no's with prayer. Um, I was born and raised, grew up in, in Portland, Pacific Northwest. So, um, I feel like we've, we've, um, I would say when, when we're going out praying, um, uh, with strangers, house of peace search, and I'd say 40, 50% of the people we encounter say yes, uh, to prayer. Uh, but there's, there, there was a lot of failing forward and, and learning through that as we go. But, um, uh, so we, we've gotten to a place where we can we get a lot of yeses, we can get into a lot of homes, we can see a decent amount of success. Um, we also know where to go, and there are some places that we um, have still kind of probably been avoiding, um, at least in the Portland area. Um, 
but yeah, it, it, there is, uh, it's not an easy place. There's a lot of difficulty. I think there's a lot of spiritual oppression. There's a lot mm -hmm. of depression. I think, I think Portland is one of the, I don't know, a few years ago, I heard it was like top three in terms of like antidepressants sold. Um, uh, some of that has to do with we don't get to see the sun a lot too. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, there's a lot of challenges, but I think along the way we found some successes and learned some successes uh, with regards to reaching those folks as well. You know what's cool as we've uh, made this journey around the country to different regions uh, at this event, it's interesting that God is using some of the same patterns to help us take the work of the Lord forward in each of these places. And I know for me, that's a cool concept that I can message Dory and say, hey, I'm going to be in San Francisco. Would you mind if I just parachute in to one of the three-thirds groups or one of the house churches that you've got going there? And she can give me an address and a time. And there in San Francisco, I just happen to be. And so I pop in and I knock on that door that Dory gives me. And I walk in and these people welcome me like I'm like, from their old, you know, family or something, I sit down and they are using the very same template in their three-thirds group in San Francisco that we're using in our three-thirds group here in Louisville. And I just think that idea of templating is so cool. And Chris, when I think about you, I also think about the Northwest as being this kind of hub of computer development. I know that sounds funny, but yeah. think about it. Microsoft and all the stuff of Silicon Valley, you guys are the hub of it. And there you are, Chris, you have taken this templating thing to a whole new level as you've been binding together people that are doing this pray for uh, concept. And would you talk for a moment about your dream to see that happen in this part of the country and the way you've been able to do these pray for templates in WordPress and stuff, kind of, if you don't mind, say something about that in the, in the hub of, of Microsoft and Silicon Valley. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I think one of the cool things to celebrate is, uh, what actually I'd throw Michael Sove under the bus on this one. Um, I have, uh, help him do the technology, but he's the pastor of a lot of the pray for efforts. I think 22 States in the U S at this point. But Pray for Colorado's um, has been a great way for us to raise the flag, see who's out there and wants to pray for disciple-making movements, and actually make a relational network out of that. So we're, as people come in through the front door there, uh, we do weekly prayer. And um, I think some of my most precious brothers there in Colorado have come through this front door. Oh, that's awesome. Where we are, you know, from up to Fort Collins. I'll give a shout out to Jeff and, you know, I don't know who's Jeff Crabtree. Hello, yeah, shout Jeff out. Crabtree and Daniel up there and in Boulder, uh, Kyle and Keith out on the plains fighting for the, the 22 counties out on the plains. But we get together and we're praying. We're asking for big things. We're asking for the okay. whole state. Um, we're praying to see things happen that we don't uh, we don't have the capacity to even try Amen. to deliver on our own. But uh, it's been a joy. And then Restoration Church, let me give a shout out to those guys because I feel like the Lord has anointed them to do the next breakthrough in Colorado. But the pray for effort is that simple media to movement. We raise a big clear flag on the Internet, th throw a little advertising towards it. And the Lord, as people are being moved by the Spirit around the state, they're, they come through and they go, hey, that's something yeah. I want to be part of. That's awesome. So it's, it's yeah. been really useful. Praise, praise the Lord. I, I would love to even know, um, maybe you could share just a little bit on the media to movement part. 
how can others jump in that and use media to leverage to reach people in their states or in their counties? Just like there's so many people we don't know. How can we use that to find people and connect with one another? Yeah, I think it's a huge um, it's a huge place for innovation. So for a long time, we've been using um, media to accelerate stuff in the Middle East, North Africa, things like that. And the things that we've been learning there, we're trying to do here in the States. Man. So we've got a thing called Disciple Tools we've been trying to use, which I, what we've learned from this process is get offline as fast as possible. So don't stay online and try That's to good. disciple online. That's like good. As much as you can get, find the seeker, offer obedience steps. So we, we challenge them to go read a passage of Scripture and come back to us. If that, and if they don't come back, okay. But we, when they do come back, that's a sign of, ooh, I've, we've got some obedient steps here. And then you can invite them offline. And in our other contexts, we're, we're running large geographies. So Disciple Tools helps us coordinate disciple makers on the ground to meet that contact, uh, take them out to coffee, show them the way of Jesus, how to multiply, how to gather, how to multiply churches. So the ambition is acceleration. It's, I think the idea is this. There's, um, we can, there's 2% of any given population that is open to cognitive change, like statistically. So instead of knocking on 99 doors to find the two doors that are actually open to talking to you, the internet's a way of getting those 2% to you faster. We're not good at it yet. Um, one day we might be good at it, but it really feels like a addition to what God's given us in all kinds of other movement areas. So, so. if we can look at it, like I love um, Chris. Chris was actually at 2016 Zume in Tampa, Florida, Doug. So this concept of it being fields one and two as access, going and sowing, and then connecting in proximity and language, both to be able to do that and to redeem the tool, the internet, um, um, virtually, social media are things to be redeemed inside of a kingdom strategy to filter, to find those persons of peace. And that's one thing that we're doing, um, obviously, at this gathering across all the regions, but want to be able to pass on to everyone everywhere. So again, I'm getting, I'm pretty excited about that because as Neil was talking about and as, as Chris was talking about, we're beginning to see like the movement we talked about last night, the spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep darkness became light is light is overcoming darkness through our obedience to Jesus with one another, with everyone in every place. And that virtual spaces are a place to be redeemed for our King Jesus. So pretty stoked. I uh, want to transition a question for Grace and Michael Luckman. They've been laboring in Portland, I don't know for how many years, on the east side, the west side of Portland with Aaron. And I'd just like to, Michael, if you and Grace together could sort of share your story on what that's been like because their faithfulness as image bearers, I was just there, has been a tremendous encouragement to the church 
in Tampa. So if you guys could just sort of tell what that journey has looked like and some of the learns that you've had in some of that and then sort of some of the challenges as well. Yeah, Grace, go ahead for, first. That'll be great. We come from a music minister background, full-time in church. And so when we started church planting, we tried to do everything that we know and train how to do. And God take, uh, it takes two years for us to undo and delete and to come to realize that, okay, this is not what God wants at all. Until we are, like, done with all of that, we met Aaron Michelle, and it was light bulb going on, popping off when we talked to them about obedient-based faith, about um, uh, obey the commandment, and it's like a big missing piece in our ministry for the past years when we do a lot of the friendship evangelism. So we end up with lots of, lots of friends, and they will come to my house for Bible study every week, six years in a row without stopping and without one person uh, making the commitment to Jesus. So it was, um, it was hard to let go a lot of relationship that has been bonded through that, but God showed me how we need to be the lifeguard that gives them the float and not be the float to them. So in a way, they need to have Jesus instead of latching on me. Um, so that was liberating. And true enough, when we stopped, when I stopped doing what I did then, uh, six months later, a first person in that group that was um, doing Bible study for six years came to Jesus. Amen. That was the first baptism. And I just loved doing hops with Aaron and Michelle and serving together with them was really encouraging because we learned so many things that, um, that we've not seen before. And especially when we go out to knock on doors, and I learned this from Aaron, I find it really, really useful talking about church people. Actually, I would say a lot of people that we met, they are not necessarily not interested in spiritual things. They just get hurt in Legacy Church. Mm. So when you come to them and say you come from church and a believer, I think that is the big things in the backdrop, that they um, don't want to have anything to do with church. So when we tell them that when we're here from different churches and just inviting you to have a conversation about Jesus, you see the wall come down. So mm. people are interested wow. in getting to know Jesus. Wow. They Amen. may not want to be part of the organization in the church building, but they want relationship. Mm. And especially last year when the COVID hit, um, Michael has been doing the training with a group of uh, teens and first time I saw my son leading the conversation, knocking the doors, and people were just shocked and surprised that yeah. at times like this, people would come out and pray for people and reaching out and wow. wanting to talk to them. So it was a lot of yeses, a lot of open doors, and it is a lot of harvest out there. So it is hopeful. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I would agree with that, that a lot of... Uh, even though we are known to be like least church uh, region, but also there are so many doors open. And that I'm, I find myself start speaking. First of all, I find myself speaking Aaron now, so I'm speaking Lee also. <laughs> <laughs> Lord <laughs> help us. Micro to macro and so forth. But what I want to share is that like from having a small vision of, yeah, I want to start a house church. And then greater to be like, I want to reach out to Portland. And then recently, when I start um, meeting with uh, with you all, basically, I find myself like 
God opening my eyes and my open, enlarging my heart also to love people uh, beyond what I have already know or imagine. Uh, last year, I uh, met Michael Sof and it's like, would you like, I mean, like, who would like to uh, start praying for Oregon? I said, I will do it. And then from that praying for Oregon, uh, that opened the door of meeting people who are apostolic, you want to do this. And like what um, I think Zach was saying that like the people already out there, they are doing, they might be even doing similar things what we do, but we just don't know each other. Mm. And by that, I mean, when we start opening our, ourselves to what God is doing, loving one another, just like we see the, the multiplication, the exponential uh, result that we have not seen before. And I'm excited to see what God will be doing um, in the U.S. and also for our, our region in the Northwest. Yeah, praise the Lord, guys. I, I mean, just kind of conclude even this time together as we have looked at these different regions. You guys got to hear from them and, and meet them and hear what the Lord is doing. I just kind of want to bring this picture together and connect the dots of um, we are one family. If you're listening to this and then you're in the United States or Canada, which are these regions, we really are one family working together. We have different names, different uh, streams, teams, organizations, churches, but we are the body of Christ. And, and the quicker that we can act like it together to be united, even though we're not in agreement, the better. And to see every person, every people, every place come to know Jesus. So even as you're listening to this or watching this, this is a model, not the way, not the only way, but this is a model of every region of different team streams, organizations, churches, disciples working together to see the kingdom come all over the United States. So this content has been great. This time has been great. I hope you see the overarching narrative of this is we, not me, together. And this is an example of us trying to attempt to do this together. That's right. Unless anybody has any other burning questions or comments, that just about wraps up our time, I believe. Um, so thank you again to the Northwest region and all the regions of North America um, that we got to talk to. So we didn't have Canada again because of COVID and on this, but it's included in the Northwest region of, or not the Northwest, the, the North American region of 2414. Um, so feel free to reach out to 2414now.net if you're in the North American region or any region actually and want to get connected uh, there. So anywhere in the globe, they have people uh, doing just like what we're doing. Uh, right now. So, or you can reach out on the more disciples, uh, podcast website. Um, and we'll get connected that way. We actually had some people get connected in Europe through that. Um, you know, so that's pretty awesome. And I, I recently got connected, like I said, to some students at Liberty university through these connections of uh, 2414. So anyways, feel free to reach out if you're listening. If not, um, if you are listening, I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you or helped you along on your disciple making journey. So uh, thanks again to everyone who was our guest today. How are you making more disciples? What problems have you encountered? What successes have you celebrated? What questions do you have? Share your stories with us by visiting moredisciples.com slash contact. If you're looking for next steps on growing your ability to make and multiply disciples, visit moredisciples.com to find resources, tools, and events all designed to help you make more disciples.